0: Since 1983, Copenhagen Modern Furniture has showcased Austin's largest collection of fine contemporary furniture and accessories. Now at Copenhagen, save $500 on any stressless signature or leg comforter recliner model. For more ways to save, shop online at copenhagenliving.com or visit the showroom on Breaker Lane. Copenhagen Modern Furniture, Austin's premier destination for everything contemporary since 1983. Three.
1: I love you so much.
2: I love you so much. Uh okay, love so, you too, Addie. I love you too. NUCKS. You guys are so sweet. <laughs> I'm feeling very loved this week. Welcome to I Love You So Much, the podcast about the people, places, and things we love about Austin. Our podcast is from the feature staff of the Austin American Statesman and we're sponsored by Copenhagen Furniture. I'm food writer Addie Broyles, and in this week's episode, John and Kendall Antonelli come to the studio to talk about how they came to running Austin's 1st standalone cheese shop, and how being business owners and parents changed their relationship with the city. We talk about being a boss who isn't afraid to be vulnerable, enjoying the many layers of what it means to be an Austinite, and why their partnership grew stronger after they started working together. Just a heads up, these guys could win the Cutest Couple in Austin award every year. So without further ado, here are John and Kendall. And John Antonelli. Welcome to I Love You So Much. Yay. Thanks for having us, Addie. Thanks for coming. Awesome. Yay. Thanks for being here. And you guys brought cheese. Of course. Do you just show up with bags of cheese everywhere you go? Nope, just for you. Oh, (laughs) I feel so special. Yeah.
1: Typically, we forget. We we'll work so hard right up to the last minute, going yeah. home, going to a party, and we're like, oh, man, we forgot the cheese. The one cheese. place that Again. we surprisingly
3: don't have a lot of cheese is in our house, which, you know, people come over, our kids come home, and they're like, where's the cheese? Whoops, sorry. I mean, we're with it all day long at the shop, and we just forgot it.
2: That's adorable. Um, So I just kind of want to start with, like, how did you guys end up in Austin? Because you're both not from here, but you've established a business here, have a family here, but Austin is not where you were raised. So what drew you here?
3: Yeah, I'm from North Texas. Um, I was actually born in Houston, but once my parents divorced, I grew up in a little town called Cool, Texas, which is uh, perhaps anything but cool. But no, I loved it. It was 45 minutes west of Fort Worth, um, and I commuted to school an hour one way every day and back and forth.
2: What you mean, like in elementary and high school?
3: Uh Uh-huh, yes. That's a long commute. It is, Uh uh-huh, and then... um, Without podcasts. (laughs) Yeah,
1: exactly, (laughs) or TV. What did we
3: do at the time? And no technology, yeah, well, different technology. Um, And I wanted to go study international relations, so I went to Georgetown University in D.C. to do that, and John grew up... uh, In
1: in New York, right about 30 minutes northwest of New York City, Mm -hmm. and um, followed my brother to Georgetown. Ah. Yeah. And
3: so we met at Georgetown. John did the School of Business. I did the School of Foreign Service. Um, and we actually met at the time um, through the students of Georgetown Incorporated, which um, it was is the largest all-student-run business organization in the nation, or it was at the time. Um, so no adults involved, kids, students doing everything. And we ran into yeah. coffee, grocery Couldn't stores. Couldn't quite call us adults. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was, uh, yeah so, and I was a uh, vice president of grocery and John was actually um, chairman of the board. And so that's how we, we first met. And then, just, it's funny because
2: you're basically living that life now, yeah, just in different I, ways. Yes, yeah,
1: a- amazingly, uh, it's. Uh, we didn't draw inspiration from that until later in life, way after we had moved to Austin. But we ended up uh, getting together senior year, mm. started dating about six months before college, mm. and um, with no expectations before graduation. Of, yeah, before the end of mm. college, um, with no expectation of.
3: Continuing. I think that's the reason it worked for us is there was never that let's define this. We just started having fun and having fun together. And then it was every day. And then my roommates couldn't get rid of John. And then John became best friends with my roommates and I got jealous. And uh, But from then on out, we were kind of inseparable. And when school ended, we said, let's just keep going and see how long we can um, have fun in this relationship. And in college, my I had some challenges. Uh, my freshman year, my mom had gotten diagnosed with uh, breast cancer, and she actually knew before she dropped me off. And we we're very close, but she didn't tell me because so, she was afraid I wouldn't show up to school. Um, and She survived that. She's great. She's actually just... Oh, that was colon cancer. She just battled breast cancer this year and has survived that as well. So she's a strong woman. She's doing well. Um, shout out to all the people out there battling and fighting and surviving or remembering those. Um, And then my sophomore year, my father um, passed away unexpectedly and pretty tragically. And then later, my grandmother had been diagnosed with Alzheimer's, and she kind of helped raise me as well. So all that being said, it's not a downer. It's part of my journey. It's what happened. But we stuck it out in D.C. um, for about a year afterwards. But that was during the market was pretty competitive. We were making livings out of various paid internships and jumping around and I thought, okay, it's time for me to go home. I got to come do this college thing. I need to be home and near to my family. But I do not want to move back um, to where I'm from just because there weren't as many opportunities and what I wanted to do. And UT, um, go horns, best um, Latin American studies program um, in the nation for graduates. So I came to graduate school and I said, honey, I think I'm, I'm moving to Texas. And John said, all right, can I come with you? And at that point, I don't think he'd ever step foot in Texas. And so mm-hmm. we moved to Austin and I think what, we loved about it was even though I had been to Austin once or twice before, I didn't really know Austin, and it was a city that we both discovered together. So it wasn't yeah. me saying, hey, come to all my favorite places, and this is where I did this first time. Or, instead, it was us discovering everything for ourselves, mm-hmm. and even since then, which I'm sure we'll talk about, at different phases of our life, we keep just seeing Austin in a new light, and that's something we're, that we're loving s- we're
1: about We're still it. going through the adventure together. It's amazing.
2: This is so sweet. Yeah. I really... And John, what? why were you
3: like... When we, when we decided, oh, wait, this is where we want to put down roots, how did that come about for us? You're our
1: memory. How did, well, we f- just fell in love with the city. I yeah. mean, when we first got here in 2005, it, it was a little smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, you We had come from D.C. where you can't quite know anything but maybe one quarter of the city. Mm-hmm. Um, when we got to Austin, you could really know the whole city. We ended up um, finding an awesome house in Rosedale, to move into, and it just—we
3: bought it sight unseen before having even moved. Yeah, Ooh, yeah. It was
1: risky brave. and great, but it was awesome. But enough. Austin
3: has many similarities to DC. I mean, it's a city on a river. We love that. We love the outdoor environment. Um, something that's pretty crucial to my mental health is light and trees and greenery and um <laughs> taking big, deep breaths outside. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Austin offers all those things. And it's amazing that so quickly you can be
2: outside of yeah. city as well. If thirty you need minutes to just get away. you're in the
1: hill country and you have. You're by yourself, so and it's amazing.
2: Did you feel like you belonged here when you moved? Was yeah. it sort of an immediate oh, yeah. sense of belonging? Oh
1: yeah, yeah. oh yeah, we yeah. did. And all of our friends instantly started to travel to us when they came for the first time, and they saw Sixth Street, and they're like, "Oh, you know, it costs ten dollars for a beer in New York City, and a dollar here. <laughs> we'll we're coming. Day. We're coming to Austin <laughs> yeah. more often. So, so our our tribe." visited us and made it feel like home. And as I'm well. sure
2: some of those people have moved here. I'm just yes. guessing. Yes. Uh, so Kendall, did you finish your graduate degree? I did. Oh, yeah. yeah. Nice.
3: Um, and I ended up working at a nonprofit um, at the time. It was called Political Asylum Project of Boston. Now it's American Gateways. And they provide free and low cost legal services, um, immigration legal services. And so I started out in the family based project. Actually, I started out as an intern. Then in the family based project um, with family reunification. And then I ended up running the Immigrant Victims of Crime Protection Project. And so they're still around and doing amazing work. And it's a great or- organization to support. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time, yeah. What were you doing, John?
1: When I first moved down here, I was I had been working with a, a consulting firm in, D- in DC. So I spent about six months working with them from here, and then uh, I was supporting Kendall through school. So I I was her chauffeur for
3: mm, loved it. Who doesn't love a pre, chauffeur who pre- takes Uber? you, and drops you yeah. off, yeah, it was and fantastic. parking around campus is horrible. Yeah. Uh, and
1: funny. then in uh, January of two thousand or February of two thousand six, I got a job at Deloitte and Touche as an an accountant as an auditor. Yeah. And uh, and that was uh, a really great opportunity. I had been in the internship programs for a couple of years in DC, but I had chosen not to follow that career path. Uh, but when I came to Austin, the the people there were fantastic, uh, and it was a great job to get. I was very lucky. So I started with them. So numbers
3: and immigration nonprofit work uh, had nothing to do with cheese. Which this story
2: you've told a million times, but. If I recall, it has something to do with your honeymoon. It yes.
3: sure does. So
1: Aww.
2: when did you get married?
1: 2007. And John remembers all the dates between us.
2: <laughs> and then <laughs> the cheese mall. T- that was the day, if I'm not mistaken, you said, hey, can- I think we should run a cheese shop.
1: No.
3: Or, oh, well, you want to get into Oh, he cheese. waited three days. We our, were on our honeymoon.
2: We're into it. Okay. Yes. Yeah,
1: I waited three days. We, I didn't know about annulment. But Kendall and I have had a great relationship together since, well, since that first day. Our relationship would be great for rom-com. I mean, it, it would be, if we can sell the rights and write it. I wrote half of it already, Kendall. Any
3: screenwriters out there, we've got a yeah. perfect It's a great drama story. Great yeah. story.
1: Um, uh, but when we uh, we were on our honeymoon, and I was sitting there, um, we just had, like, the perfect wedding. Um, we have amazing dogs. We had this amazing house. Uh, had an amazing wife. And I was just sitting there. I was reading a book um, a teen sci-fi book that talks about the future and predictability and all that. And I thought to myself, man, the only thing that isn't perfect right now is the work that I'm doing. And I, I was thinking back to the times at, at Georgetown when we were working in that students of Georgetown incorporated, I was at the same time running two other programs, um, on campus, uh, school sports promotion group and, uh, the school spirit group and also uh, traditions day. And, those activities gave me so much energy, so much passion, so much enthusiasm that I could also go out and have fun at night and do my work it was successfully. And so I was thinking to myself, you know what? This job isn't for me. So I turned over to Kendall. I leaned over. I said, Kendall, I'm going to quit my job when we get home.
3: And I said, uh, what are you going to do? And he said... Something in cheese. And so we, we honestly, it happened just like that. We don't know why he said Cheese. But I do remember him saying, um, nobody likes an auditor, but everybody loves cheese, and I just want to make people happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now we kind of have honed it in over after all these years that we have a personal mission in life, both of us, to spread joy. And it we're just lucky that the vehicle we do that through is
2: cheese, but Mm -hmm. it could be any number of things. It brings people together. Yeah. It's it's a singular pleasure in your mouth and sort of like a solo experience. But I think I've also heard you guys talk about how it's a a gathering space. You have a a cheese plate out. People are talking about it. They're laughing. It's sort of an icebreaker. And then they're sharing about their lives. And it is this uh, point of connection for people.
3: It is. It's the proverbial breaking of bread, right? So whether it's in our classes, which we host open to the public and people get together, our goal is to always straight out and saying. Hey guys, whoever you are, wherever you come from, whatever you politically believe, that's outside those doors and it's fast paced and it's crazy. And here we're just going to get together over our shared connectivity and share some cheese and talk about stories. And most importantly, the labor of love and the producers who make them and what goes into it. And we do the same thing in our shop. When people come in, if they don't know, they can taste everything for free and fun. And we always say we're not cheese makers, we're Mm storytellers. And so we like to tell the story of food. Um, we're good with John and I joked about when we came up with the business concept. Well, we're good at eating and talking and they usually say your strengths are what you're good at. And that's what you should <laughs> pursue. So we're good at eating and talking and we're, we're at our best when we're together. Um, and so we could put that all together. And this cheese shop in Austin didn't have a cheese shop at the time. So we got to become Austin's first cut to order cheese shop. And from then on, the rest has been amazing, really from the support on day one, um, Carla Crownover, who's out there, and anybody in the food community knows her because she's one of the biggest champions for all of us. She was our first customer to walk in, um, first one in the POS, first one, uh, our first number. And to this
2: date, um, I mean, she's basically our kids, like God aunt, if we mm-hmm. did that. Yeah. So mm-hmm. she's part she's of the family. family. Mm-hmm. Customer number one. And yep. how many other business owners would say that about her? I mean, I could, oh so my. many. She's so, so beloved. Many. Yeah, yeah so Carla, many. big shout out to you. Sending you a big hug, girl. Um, so how did your experience in Austin change when you became a business owner?
1: You know, I think of Austin, it's an amazing city and what I think is so special about it has been that every time that we've transitioned, we've discovered an even better layer than what we thought was the best already. And so when we were in our early 20s, mid 20s, um, the city offered everything we could possibly want and we had access to so much great, so many great activities. And we were talking to some older friends and we were talking to some neighbors who um, were in their 50s, 60s. And you could hear it in their voice that just this absolute love for the the space that they were in at that time. And so when we transitioned into business owners, um, I think that what happened, (laughs) Kendall and I started going out a lot less. We... Yeah. started spending less time at home.
3: The irony of opening a food business is you cook a lot more yeah. before you open it. And then after you open it, you eat takeout a lot. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and so we ended up um, during that time, I think what I fell in love with was just the amazing support that we received from the food community. I mean, we walked open those doors on day one, worried that we were imposters, that we didn't know what we were talking about, that we were so new to the game. Um, we had, I had trained for two years, but still that didn't feel like enough. And so the Austin community was just incredibly supportive. And now a couple of years later, we had our first kid. And all of a sudden, the house that we had that was convenient to downtown was convenient to a playground (laughs) and super convenient to a swimming pool and super convenient to walking activities. I could walk around the neighborhood all day long, pushing him in a stroller while he was settled down for a nap. And again, each transition has just been a better layer. And I love that. I love that. So I, my expectation is that will continue based off the conversations I've had and continue to have with people at different ages of their adventure.
2: Man, I'm just thinking about the layers of life and how the longer you live in a place, uh, the, it changes your perspective on how you see it. Not entirely. It's a yes. And right. Yes, like, you know, this is the, a nice park that maybe was nice for date nights whenever you were first here and then a place to go take your kid and then you know a place to have maybe a little bit of quiet alone time away from the kids yeah. Yeah. you can <laughs> regain your sanity exactly. yes yeah.
3: to all of the above yeah, yeah
2: exactly you all have cheese from all over the world in your shop but right. i know you probably try they're like your children you try not to have favorites so let's just talk about maybe some of the local cheese makers that you love to tell people about
3: yeah okay so first we, when we first open we really it's, we didn't define it literally as local, but we were fighting the battle of people not thinking America has good artisanal cheese. So when we opened, we thought, are we going to be only, only represent American producers? And we said, no, because our whole goal is to make cheese buying fun and approachable and demystify it. And all we couldn't think of anything more off-putting than somebody coming in and saying, can I have some or reggiano or Parm? And us saying, well, we don't carry that, but we carry this. And all of a sudden, they couldn't ha- connect with that case. So we Knew we needed to have some imported cheese in there just as that, oh, everybody loves Manchego. Everybody loves Aguda. Great. This is your entry point. Oh, and also, have you taste this? This is made in Wisconsin. It's a parm style by this producer. And that entry point to have that discussion. So, really, we were fighting the... And when we opened 10 years ago, there were only a couple Texas cheesemakers. So... When people say, do you only support Texas producers? We wouldn't have a shop if we were only doing that. Um, but then again, it's also been really important to us to get their stories out. And the more we can be a conduit and do that for them, the more it allows them to take care of their herds, their animals, stay on their farm and doing what they love and making cheese. Let you
2: guys do the selling. Yes. Like, and so, do the cheese making. Yes. Yeah. So
3: with that I agreed, I used to always say, I don't have a favorite cheese. That's like picking your favorite kid. Well, now that I have two kids. I know that I do have a favorite. It just changes every other day. So it yes, d- and- d- depends who gave me the <laughs> the better hug in the morning and who refused to acknowledge me that morning. Um, shout out and love to our daughter, Elia, who is a spirited five and our son, Everett, who's seven. Um, so some of our favorite local cheesemakers just right here around Austin, we're in the heart of goat country. And so these are the best goat milk cheeses. So we've been supporting and one of our best well-known Texas producers is Pure Luck Farm and Dairy, Amelia Sweetheart. Um, and her husband Ben and Ho- her sister Hope, and what they do. Um, and they have national acclaim for some of the most award winning fresh chev and feta. Um, and we absolutely love them. And so you can get them not only at our shop, but at uh, both uh, Central Market and um, Whole Foods and the farmer's market. And whenever you can buy direct from a producer, we will say, do that. Mm-hmm. Um, the convenience of us is that you get to do it seven days a week. Um, but if you can go meet them, then, and then by all means do that. We've also supported, um, Chrissy Omo of CKC farms out of Blanco. And that CKC stands for Chrissy, Kenneth and Connor. And she started when she was in her teens, which is incredible. And I can't believe we've We're, we're getting older. We're getting more gray, honey, but we've gotten to be a part of her story and her journey. And, um, she invited us to her wedding, and then we were one of the first people she told when she was pregnant, and now she has basically a one-year-old, and she asked me to write her re- a reference for her um, MBA program at Texas State, and so we it's been exciting to grow with people in that way. And then most recently, we're super excited for Jenna Kelly Landis to come on the scene. Um, she is our closest Farmstead producer to Austin, and what Farmstead means is it's all the work. She has the animals, um, and just like Luck and CKC do, um, but you're not just buying milk and making it, which is hard enough as it is. Um, you're doing everything that it takes to get that cheese. Raising the skills, milking yep. the goats. Yeah, and so she's yep. in Manor, and so anybody who can get out and, and start supporting her, um, we sell her um, as well as a couple other venues, um, and so it's exciting to see her growth and anybody who can get behind a producer right when they're starting they really need it and they need that help ramping up so she's bee tree
2: farm
1: yes tree farm yeah and her sister Mm -hmm. six years ago was selling shortbread yes to us and that's the relationship we've had with them it's over the
2: years yeah amazing so relationships are obviously a big part of this A process, maybe the the main part, the foundation, yeah, Yeah. with your customers, with your purveyors, relationships over cheese, because
3: without the relationships, we wouldn't have the cheese.
2: And but philanthropy is also a big part of your business. I'm always seeing on Facebook, you guys are speaking to different groups, you're volunteering with different organizations. You take leadership in this community really seriously. How did that? I mean, was that just a sort of a natural evolution of your idea of what it means to be a business owner? I'm sure these are some of the values you learned in Georgetown way back in the day. I mean,
3: at Georgetown, yes, it's a the Jesuit tradition of Serving your community, but I, I, we both of us come from family members and parents who do the same thing. I'm from a long line of entrepreneurs. My mom gives more talks these days than I do. She just flew to Scotland, she's on a plane to Scotland right now to do a big presentation. What is she what talking they about? Do. Um, my mom has stepped out of ranchers in North Texas and they operate the single largest single herd in the nation. Um, and they're through their cattle practices. And their holistic management. They're actually bringing back native grasses, which had gone ex- extinct, um, and populations of birds. And so they're um, a living proof to the science that cattle are works. bad. Yeah. And so instead regenerative showing regenerative. Exactly. Yep. That's really so that's cool. what I got invited to. And then John's dad was a principal and then you already heard John say at Georgetown how he ran everything. And um, <laughs> so I think part of it is that we're innately in it but we long ago made the decision that if we couldn't contribute to the community that supported us it wasn't worth doing. Mm-hmm. And so we've always had to creatively find ways to do that even when we didn't have money in the bank to do it. So for us it wasn't about writing over a big check every day. It was instead what are the skill sets that we can offer. And so whether it's sharing our entrepreneurial story with people who want to start up and, um, sharing a story of depression and surviving that, um, successes and challenges we faced. Um, what, what else, John?
1: Well, I think it's just important to know it was ingrained in serving others is ingrained in what we do. And if, if you, if you get creative, you can serve others at this minute, you can start now. And we've just throughout the years of 10 years, have come up with different iterations. The current philanthropy plan that Kendall works through is um, uh, created and put forward for our business has been a really great way for us to channel that sort of impact. And again, the business isn't worth running if it, if we can't give back to our community.
2: Without the philanthropy plan, is mm-hmm. that what I yeah. just heard? Oh yeah, that I think we all need a personal philanthropy plan. Yeah, exactly. I think I'm going to actually go home, write that on the top of a piece of paper, and just. Yeah, and formalize what I feel like is for many people just sort of an informal sense of like helpfulness or they want to be, you know, contribute to their communities, but you guys are very intentional. Well, and
3: we felt like we'd already been doing it for years, but wait, we should put this together and what does it mean and then hold ourselves accountable to it. So now we partner up with one local nonprofit per month and they're our hashtag charitable cheese cause. And on one day we donate a portion of proceeds to them, but um, more important, we're a small shop. That compared to the big big stores is not huge um, revenue wise but we have allowed we're loud people as you can tell when we talk (laughs) a lot but we have a big reach we've recognized and so that's the power we have is that to our 60 or 70,000 followers we can share the mission of some of these nonprofits who are working in food access food sustainability or green environmental issues and that's what we try to do now
2: lifting up those voices and those causes um, well, one thing you've been really vocal about is NAMI, the local chapter of the National Alliance for Mental Ill- or on uh, Mental Illness, and I've noticed in reading your newsletters that it really has brought this level of vulnerability to your public-facing persona as a business and as individual entrepreneurs. Was that a difficult decision to make, and what have you gained out of that experience?
3: Sure. So my uh, I battled depression on and off in my youth, and we just didn't really know it or label it or call it anything at that time, but I grew up in a supportive with a supportive mom but not in the culture that necessarily was supportive but of she took me to therapy on and off and then it culminated my junior year in um, college when I had a pretty scary night and I was hospitalized um, and I was behind locked doors for a couple weeks or. Actually, they let me out on good behavior, which um, is a longer story that goes to, I think, my privilege um, because not everybody got to share that same story. Um, And so through some hard work and my personal toolkit that worked for me, and it's different for everybody, um, but through a lot of therapy, um, uh, for me, I was on medication um, and then good nights of sleep getting exercise, having a routine, going to bed at a certain time every night, which is not easy in college. And just to put this out there, I was not a saint. It just meant I partied hard earlier in the day and went to bed early, <laughs> yep. but I stuck to that schedule and got up early.
1: Something we still stick to. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah, exactly. People <laughs> make fun of us because John and I are in bed at like 9, 9.15 every night. Um, it will be hard for us when we travel and we don't do the late nights. Um, but so all of that was a part of my story. And I, I've always been really open about it one-on-one, mostly because I'm pretty... In your face, what you see is what you get. I, don't, I couldn't keep a secret if I tried. And unless,
1: she, she told me that on our first date, so I knew.
3: Our first date was at the melting pot, by the way, over fondue. It was awesome. And I sat down with John, and I said, here's everything that's wrong with me. And John just, to his credit, looked at me and said, great, I can live with that. Um, so that was pretty awesome. And then I felt like I didn't have any skeletons to hide, and that felt so much more freeing. So maybe, John, you were part of that process for me, and that I've always been open about it. But to your point... When um, NAMI asked me to be the honorary chair of their walk, which is coming up again this September, to raise awareness, and also May is Mental Health Awareness Month, but I feel like every every freaking day should be Mental Health Awareness <laughs> Month. We should all be checking in daily. Um, I said yes quickly, but then I realized that it all was still part of my ongoing journey because I had never stood in front of a stage of 2,000 people and talked about it. And then the statesman um, gratefully posted my op-ed that I wrote, and when I got that, I was shaking because here I'd been so brave and saying I'd been on the radio, I'd been on the news, and I'd talked about it, but all of a sudden it was in print, in my hands, and I thought, oh, crap, this is a whole new level of real of me coming out. There's no going back into my closet on this one. It's out. And, you know, um, the goal is to destigmatize it, and uh, so... I realized that I have, again, this power that if I can share my story, and I'm fortunate because I'm my own boss, so there's no retaliation against me in the workplace or anything like that, and if I can show other people that, yes, you can go through this, and your story is unique to you, but you can battle it, and there are people, the, the way I like to always describe it is depression is a, this is the way my pawpaw described it to me, is depression is a big black hole, and you feel all alone, and that you can't get out, well, It's unique to you, but just know that there are a lot of other people in that hole, and you can't find them, and you can't see them, and you don't want to do the work because it just feels so hopeless, but they are also in there. And so if we can all claim that together, there's power in that, and then we can get resources and advocate for ourselves. And maybe some of those who aren't ready to claim that yet, I'm here to be loud and claim it for them. So NAMI provides... um, so support therapy groups and one of the hardest things about thinking about my journey was my mom getting that telephone call that I was hospitalized so they have really great support groups for parents um, as well as um, other support groups that I don't want to trigger anybody right now but so if people can go check them out um, and I'm also on the board of the Austin Child Guidance Center so that's been really important to me um, because I think my recovery as fully due to all the resources that I received and other people aren't so fortunate. So the Austin child guidance center provides uh, free and low cost, low cost mental health services to anybody, regardless of ability to pay um, to any youth. Um, so, and they have walk-in clinics. And so I've been hearing a lot on social media that parents are nowadays. It's great. They're acknowledging it. They recognize their kids need help. Kids are getting better about saying I need help. But then all of a sudden they're on these long wait lists and they can't find anywhere immediately to do anything. So just know that you can. uh, ACGC has two clinics weekly where you can just show up and immediately start seeing somebody and getting services while you're waiting on
2: somebody else's wait list. Mm. And just the more that we talk about it, the more people can recognize that oh, maybe I do have some symptoms, or maybe I am experiencing something that I heard somebody else talk about once, but previously might not have known was connected to something deeper that I needed to explore.
1: Well, I'm lucky to be married to her because I'm currently battling depression myself and so having somebody as open as Kendall allows me to make better decisions for myself yeah. and take care of myself and it's pretty it's pretty remarkable
2: it's good modeling for the kids yeah. it's modeling for the community there's so much love between you it's just palpable well
3: I'm I'm really proud of him I mean he's I it's easy for me to talk about it I'm 15 years out and John's We're doing a lot of work right now. We had a tough year in 2018. We opened a a downtown location and closed it 11 um, months later or 12 months later. Uh, And it was really tough act of leadership and the people involved. And that was really tough for us. And so that kind of instigated some things for John, for both of us. Um, But it's, I'm grateful for the opportunity to be his rock when he's always been mine now. And that he's so open about his journey. Um, And so anybody who ever wants to talk to us, we're in it. We're in it together. Um, But nobody else is alone in it either.
0: Mm
2: only way out is through yeah yeah thank you so much for sharing and being so open about this i think it uh it really resonates and shakes with you know vibrates inside and i feel like uh, you can probably tell that when you're speaking to 2,000 people or just one-on-one that you yeah know, kind of all in this journey together we are yeah absolutely um okay we're gonna do some rapid fire that involves some of your best places in austin favorite places to go oh so gosh. where's your favorite place when you don't have the kids and you have a date night uchiko
1: alamo draft house
2: ooh you can do Uchiko and then the draft? House. <laughs> yeah. Do you like the food at the draft house?
1: Yeah, I enjoy. I enjoy it. It's been uh, that <laughs> that uh, feeling of uh, comfort for for me since we moved down here. It's one of our favorite things to do. Is we bonded over movies. In fact, the first day we were um, hanging out, we I saw a picture on her wall of a dog, and I was like, "Oh, is my what, therapy dog?" This is a therapy. And what's that? What's the name? And she said, "El Guapo." I said, "Oh, like the Three Amigos." It's my favorite movie,
3: and I was like. oh be still my heart we're meant to be so now we have and now we've we have a lucky day and dusty bottoms um so those are your dogs yeah Yeah. oh man i used to and
1: so we bonded over movies so we both are movie but we we love
3: the alamo draft house because when we first opened especially we would never stop talking shop yeah Uh, you know and then new parents know when we had kids you never stop talking about your kids and so you go out on date night and you'd say okay we can't talk about business we can't talk about kids and we'd look at each other and be like What do we, and we just slip back into it.
2: But if we go to a movie, we can't talk at all,
3: which is what we need for two people who talk a lot. And then
2: after the movie, you can talk about the movie. Yes. Yeah. Right. That's actually a really good dating hack for people who work together.
1: People who work together because we talk all day. I mean, and it's wonderful. We both are on the same page 99.9% of the time.
3: And then I love Uchiko because it's two blocks from our house and we just always get. When we when – we, we're in the hospitality business, and so we take care of people all day long, and it's nice to just go and let somebody else take care of us. And from beginning to end, they've always got our back. So shout out to our, to our all of our Uchiko folks who have not seen us in a while because we've not been on date yeah. night in a while. They have, I think, the best service in town. Yeah. One time they – we – we're so, I guess, honored because they said they were sending folks over to learn service from us, and we thought this was like a one-time deal way back when. Um, so I'm In not taking any of, of the Chico, credit, yeah. yeah um, but th- that was the, the, one of the biggest honors, and Definitely. so we do like trades and stuff with them often, just because they're good, good to us, and good we partners. just love being treated. that family.
2: It's that idea, family. Yeah, yeah. family of choice. Um, okay, so when you happen to be by yourselves, not working together, and you need some one-on, just alone time. Where do you go to the city to sort of recharge, have some of that maybe communion with nature, go treat yourself for a little enough. shopping? It
1: doesn't happen often enough. So
3: John and I don't spend a lot of time apart. Yeah. And John, you don't really like to, right? Not mm-hmm. really. Yeah. I'm want for, like, I, like you said, I do a lot of networking and I do a lot of presentations. And sometimes I'm on my way home and John knows I've left. And I'm like, well, the kids are already in bed. Okay, honey, I'm just going to stop and get a sushi roll and a glass of wine. I'll be home in a little bit. So I still, I... If I'm already out, we'll just stop somewhere yeah. and treat myself. And I know there's folks out there who can't stand to eat alone. I love just sitting with myself and being quiet and not looking at a phone and enjoying a glass of wine. And if you ever see me out, I talk all the time. Just let me be at that one moment. No, no, no. That happens maybe yeah. like once every other month. But yeah.
1: And I go for a run in the morning yeah, at 4.30 before oh. the ki- before everybody's awake. That's my
3: time. Yeah,
2: that's true. That's Josh, actually it's, really nice. Yeah. I
1: get my time at the first two hours before the Do you run around your neighborhood, or
2: do you go to? Yeah,
1: sometimes town lake at that more at that time. I also, last summer, was swimming in Barton Springs at 515, 530. I forget when it opens.
2: But that is a key to happiness for It sure. was
1: awesome. Yeah. It was scary. Uh, yeah. Awesome.
3: yeah, key to your happiness. That's like key to my madness. Oh, I'm yeah. not I mean, jumping it's in cold. pitch black I mean, water.
2: Pitch black it's cold, cold, cold
1: water is an intense the experience. scary part? Yeah. Oh, yeah. With like a, a little leaf brushes against you and you just start swimming. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, you don't wear a light on you or anything to no. like let other people. And how many people were there at that time? There's like
1: five. Yeah. I, I almost bump into them, but.
2: In that gigantic pool. I mean, yeah. I know some people who are at Barton Springs every single morning, and it's sort of like a, like a mikvah. It's like a blessing, a way to sort of yeah restart your day. and Yeah. Get a, a cleanse. Yeah. A cleanse. Exactly. Okay. So now we're going to talk about with your kids. So yes. it's been raining a lot lately on the weekends. <laughs> Please tell me, what do you do with your kids on a Saturday afternoon when it's raining?
1: Uh, well, Saturday afternoon when it's raining, uh, they beg for the thinkery. Okay. Um which we absolutely love. I think it's a great organization to support and a great place. Um, catch air. Mm-hmm. And, uh, What's catch air? Catch air is an indoor like
2: tumble place for
0: tumble- okay. smaller, smaller kids. Well, yeah.
1: and for dads, I'm, I'm a I'm a huge fan. <laughs> your, of,
2: your American Ninja Warrior training yeah, is underway.
1: Catch air and Mount Playmore. There's a couple like yeah. that. Um, or uh, we, um, I think recently I was gonna I was joke laughing because when we were the kids were younger. Kendall wanted to always go to Shoal Creek Saloon for crawfish. But now that the kids are older and they can actually eat it, she takes them there. So if it's so raining- So John didn't
3: like that because he's like, okay, you're going to sit there and eat crawfish and I'm going to watch our kids who are yeah. whining and wanting so to get away. But now- Those would be our date
1: days. We'd go to Shoal Creek for crawfish. Now that the kids are older- They like it. We like that. Yeah. yeah and funny. our
3: favorite family place to eat out is actually New Fortune Dim Sum. And um, with with the kids and it's just fun and full and interactive and they're, they're pretty adventurous eaters. So they'll point to things and Getting trying them left and right knocked
1: over by carts as it comes. Yes. <laughs> it's awesome. oh
2: That sounds like fun. And we
3: love dim sum at Wu Chow, but we never book it far enough advance. So yeah. uh, new fortune allows the, the interactive. So we're, we're, we're all, we're, our, full contact sport of eating so whether it's crawfish on our shirts nobody can see i'm gesticulated all the way up and down or it's a uh,
2: dim sum all over us we like to to eat with with full body contact you're not having fun if you're not wearing food yeah exactly that's so great well thank you guys so much for coming into the studio it was a real pleasure and uh have fun in spain you're you great are us. awesome Thanks. enjoy Daddy. a little break from austin but then when you get back we'll be here for you cool awesome thank you thank you we love you austin That's our show. Thanks for listening and thanks to our sponsor, Copenhagen Furniture. Check out the Austin360 Instagram and Facebook page for more about life in Austin. And talk to us on Twitter at @loveaustin360. Leave us a review on iTunes. It helps other people find our podcast. I love you so much. The Austin360 podcast is a production of the feature staff at the Austin American Statesman. This episode was produced by Alyssa Vidales. Our theme music is from local band Hardproof, which you should definitely check out at hardproofmusic.com. You can find everything you'd ever want to know about this show and its contributors at austin360.com slash loveaustin360. And if you want to pitch an idea for the show or give us feedback, shoot us a note at loveaustin360 at statesman.com. We couldn't do the show without you, dear listeners, and we can't thank you enough for lending us your ears, your comments, and your suggestions of who we should feature next on I Love You So Much. Until next week, we'll see you watching the first Fireflies of the season in your backyard.
0: Since 1983, Copenhagen Modern Furniture has showcased Austin's largest collection of fine contemporary furniture and accessories. Now at Copenhagen, save $500 on any stressless signature or leg comforter recliner model. For more ways to save, shop online at copenhagenliving.com or visit the showroom on Breaker Lane. Copenhagen Modern Furniture, Austin's premier destination for everything contemporary since 1983